0: I called a meeting with the store managers and I owned it. I took it head on. I demonstrated humility in the face of adversity and let them know that I understand that they were not supportive of my leadership at the time and that mm. I was made aware that I needed to
1: make some changes. Hey there, this is Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Lead the Team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 3% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe so you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Lead of the Team Nation. I've got a great one in store for you today with Steve Colburn, who is the Chief Operating Officer over at Assemblers Incorporated, and he has 30 years of experience as a multi-industry operations executive, including stays at Ross and Home Depot. Now, if you're not familiar with Assemblers Incorporated, they are the largest merchandise assembly company in the U.S. focused on providing commercial and residential product assembly and delivery service to clients. Now, they fill a very unique niche because assembled grills, mowers, patio furniture, and so on sell better than their non-assembled counterparts. So, wow, what a cool niche. Steve, welcome to Lead the Team, sir.
0: Thank you, Ben. Excited to be here.
1: This sounds really cool. The more I dug into Assemblers Incorporated, it made me realize, and just a great reminder, that there are some cool businesses out there that we're not necessarily thinking about the niche that they fill. But uh, man, what a really cool thing. What what drew you to this business right out of the get-go?
0: Yeah, it's a funny question because I ask myself that too now sometimes. I would tell you that the, um, you know, having been on the store operational side at all levels through my whole career, you know, I was drawn to it, one, because um, I happened to meet our CEO and founder and he started this business 24 years ago out of uh, his family room.
1: And so, a- assembling learned- stuff, right? Out of his house. Assembling stuff. Yeah. yeah. He
0: was a retail operator as well. <laughs> and he you figured look out-
1: In your garage assembling stuff. Yeah. yeah, Okay.
0: Right. Great. And he figured there's got to be a better way to do this. And so that's how the story starts with assemblers. But moving forward into um, you know, how I ended up there was I had met him and started to learn about the business. And having been on the operation side of the business for so many years, now taking a look and a glimpse into- what does the vendor side of retail look like? Mm-hmm. And so, having uh, learned a little bit about it and seeing what the trajectory of the business could be, what the opportunity is, uh, the real niche of this business, it was intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. And so I mm-hmm. had to jump on and had to help lead a
1: team over there. that's that's cool. And I you know, what can listeners take away from that other than this this is a really cool business to be in is I think as leaders, we can get so, focused on what we're doing in our career and what our company is providing. But when you expand your vision and your focus, maybe downstream to the client side or on the vendor side, who knows what opportunities you, you might find if you start to expand your vision. Hmm. So let's dig in a little bit to your career. Uh, what was the crucible moment for you?
0: Yeah, listen. We all have crucible moments in our career, and um, you know, I would I would tell you that um, the the time when I experienced my biggest crucible moment um, was my first role as a multi unit manager. I was working at Home Depot. I'd been promoted from running at the time the third largest store in the organization, promoted to a district manager, and The crucible moment didn't happen at that time, Ben. It really happened when uh, I'd been in the job for about six to eight months. And what I did was I continued to run eight locations like I ran one location and quickly realized that that doesn't work. But not only did I quickly realize it, but the person I reported to and everybody around me realized that that doesn't work. Mm. So I thought well, this isn't going to work out and end too well because I'm managing a large group of folks across a geographically dispersed area and I'm leading it like it's one store like I was in. Mm. So the crucible moment for me was when I received a phone call and I was asked to come to a meeting. When I came to that meeting, it was the regional vice president and I thought, oh no, this can't be good. But I'm thinking, I'm so new into my job, how can this not be good? So I sit down. And they asked me how things are going. And I said, I think things are going great. I said, I think the team is uh, slow to respond and maybe adapt and adopt some different processes as different leadership changes. But I think I'm doing fine. And they looked at me and they asked me with the question mark, are you sure? And at that point, I knew that I was probably not leading in my first multi-unit role the right way, mm. or there was something that was amiss. And so the crucible moment came when... We wrapped up the meeting and it was, I needed to materially change the way I led as a multi-unit leader versus what I did in a single store bin. And it made me leave there, drive back about an hour and a half north in Los Angeles. And that was only 15 miles, by the way, but still had to drive that far. Mm -hmm. And I realized what I'm doing currently and what I've done and got me to this place isn't going to work going forward. So I really had to, I was at this crossroads of fight or flight. It was a crucible moment. Do I stay in this role and adapt or do I go back to the comfort zone? Wow.
1: Yeah, we we have those moments where we get feedback sometimes and it can hit, it can be like a ton of bricks. It, it's even worse when we don't really have the inkling like, like I'm doing a good job here. And then someone from another part is like, "Hey, here's a little wake-up call." No, and so when other leaders have these moments where they get, it sounds like it's the word that comes to me is blindside feedback. Like you're in, I think like a your quarterback, you're in the game, you're looking downfield, and then it's just like boom. Uh, what's your advice to a leader who who experiences that?
0: I think my advice uh, right out of the gate and when I look back and how far I've come from that uh, experience, which was frankly a real close uh, opportunity to failing um, my, my advice is to number one, um, find a coach, a mentor, an advocate Um attach your cart to somebody that's experienced what you have and don't do it alone. Hmm. I'd been successful for so long up to that point, And now I'm facing in my professional career, the first opportunity to potentially experience failure. And hmm. when I look back on it, the piece missing was, I was on an island, I was doing it solo. Hmm. And there's no reason we should all be doing any of this solo.
1: Yeah, so what so what did you do in that moment when you you realize the success you'd had and the strategies that you'd been using with with your one one unit or one store, and now you've got multiple. What was the big change that you needed to make?
0: First thing I did was become very self aware.
1: <laughs> I liked it. Become self-aware. This is me. Dang it! And it it really it probably that's not to put it bluntly. That sucks. When you have that moment, you're like, "Wait a minute! There's a problem here," and it starts with me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Eye-opening for sure. And oh, yeah. I'll be you know, That's yeah. that's knee buckling to begin with, and then um, I had to regroup and think, "How do I turn this around?" And so what I did was. Um, I called a meeting with the store managers and I owned it. I took it head on. I demonstrated humility in the face Mm. of adversity and let them know that I understand that they were not supportive of my leadership at the time and that Mm. I was made aware that I needed to make some changes. Yeah. Wow. And, And so I, at a meeting, and said, "Listen, I want you to tell me all the things that you don't like."
1: And so, what did they not like, or did they? I mean, I'm assuming they got get because because that's a big moment when your boss asks you that. A lot of people say, "Is this a trick question?" Like, like maybe you work too much, or <laughs> something like that. Like a soft, a soft thing they don't like, or were you getting some? Getting some blunt feedback at the time.
0: Oh, no, man. I was getting I was getting blunt, direct feedback, and I did it two ways. Um, this is where I first attached my cart with somebody who had been through this before. Hmm. And I said, how should I approach this? And so I had some advisement on it, and they said, listen, one of the things you need to do is stand in front of your team and deliver the fact that you understand where you are with them. Number one. Number two was give them an opportunity to share with you face-to-face, which they may or may not do, exactly what you just described. Or you can leave the room and just let them write some stuff up on the board and you don't know who wrote it, but you have all the facts written down.
1: That's a cool tip.
0: Very powerful. To walk back in the room and the first thing you do is you're reading every line as you're walking back up to the front of the room to take this head on.
1: Oof. So you did that move where you left the rim and they wrote on the whiteboard. Yes. Oh, and you're like, "Mm." and so was there a lot up there? I'm assuming it was a, (laughs) what was that like?
0: Yeah. There was a number of things up there that said things like, um, you're not supportive. You, Mm -hmm. uh, dictate what needs to be done. You don't let us run our business. You micromanage. Um, you're not interested in us, those types of things.
1: Hmm. So, at that moment, did you think about hanging up your store manager, multi unit manager, uh, gig, or are or, you, or what was, I mean, how close were you to that? To quit, I was very close, I
0: was, I was toes hanging over the edge, close.
1: Hmm. Hmm. What yeah, stopped you
0: from it? Um I listened to the feedback and made adjustments. And while it was hard and there was fear there of would I still get the adoption and the buy-in and the support, or would I be doing this for not? Hmm. And I stuck
1: with it. Probably every leader on this co- on listening right now can relate to that, because we all have moments where, we, as you become a leader, you ha- and, and I can. And, and by the way, the things that they listed on the board make total sense to the story you're sharing, because those things you do them in one unit or one store, uh, no problem. Probably you can get it done. You can tell everybody what to do. You can be the micromanager, but when you got a locations. You can't clone yourself to do all that. It's virtually impossible, so yeah, you gotta drive the business differently um, yeah, so and and for the listeners, definitely think about steve's Steve's whiteboard activity uh because it's one thing to, and I was thinking about this, you get three sixty requests, you know three sixty feedback forms. You get anonymous survey monkey request forms. A lot of employees don't trust that. Like they're tracking my IP address. They can see the feedback. But when you walk out of the room, of course, other people can see what others are writing. Uh, But for the most part, I mean, you're not going to be able to track it back to that person. And it's more instant. Um, And it's something that when you pull your team together, it's an interesting way to gather feedback. Yeah, very eye-opening for sure. So, what's something that every leader should have in their leadership toolkit?
0: You got to have an advocate. You've got to have somebody that um, a mentor, a coach, an advocate, somebody um, that you can expect and appreciate um, real feedback from, somebody that you can have that open conversation. Share what the opportunity is, what the win is, what your struggles are, um, and and be able to bounce ideas, thoughts, concerns, fears, anxieties, anything that's going on in your career
1: with that person. Want to boost your productivity and decision-making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource, whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. So what's your advice for leaders out there who are listening now who are saying, you know what? That sounds really good, but I ain't got one of those. Uh, where, where should they start if they don't feel like they have that advocate and mentor in their career right now?
0: You know, um, I'll tell you, it's probably where you're not looking in many cases. Mm -hmm. Um, You may think it's somebody that um, you worked with or grew up with in the business uh, for many years, and it may or may not be that person because you may not be comfortable opening up to that person. It may be somebody that's two levels above you in an organization. It could be somebody that's um, lateral in a different organization. It could be somebody um, that you trust, but you don't know as well. And you need to get to know them and foster that relationship and bounce ideas off of them. Um, I think there's always somebody for everybody that you can have as an advocate that you can really talk through and get ideas and get input from. Um, And at at the end of the day, it gives you a different perspective than maybe how you're looking at it in your own silo. Hmm.
1: Any recommendations on where people could start? So you said, probably not where you're looking today. Uh, where, Where should they be? kind of nosing around for, for potential mentors and advocates.
0: Yeah. I think you can look at, you know, you can find, you can find people that you've met um, through different professional organizations. If you participate in any organizations, if you're um, linked with anybody um, in professional websites, you can, you know, you Mm -hmm. can reach out to and have like um, professional backgrounds. In some cases you want a different background. I think there's, Um, An opportunity, if you're going to seminars, if you're having meetings and you might be on one side of the United States and a peer or somebody above, um, maybe at a different part of the country, uh, reach out to them and ask them. Hmm. Maybe you're at a meeting and you see somebody that really uh, is demonstrating great leadership and adding a lot of value to a meeting. Might be the person you go up to afterwards and say, listen, I really like what you had to say. I've got mm-hmm. some ideas. I've got some things. I really don't have somebody that I can bounce much off of. Would you be open to me reaching out to you? Let's exchange numbers. Let's exchange emails.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that, that you're passionate about is coaching others. So we talked about receiving mentorship, receiving coaching. But now kind of flipping the coin, you as a leader, uh, coaching. What what's your advice for leaders? Who maybe aren't in the coaching game yet, but are thinking about it. And maybe they're also thinking, coaching my team sounds nice, but I really don't have time for that because we're in a we're in a urgent situation and I just need to direct and tell people what to do. I have time yeah. this coaching thing. I'm sure you've been yeah. in that in retail world. Yeah.
0: Or, Listen, I think um I think I think everybody that's listening probably starts with that approach, right? Listen, I got too much to do. The water is turned on full blast. I'm drinking from a fire hydrant and I just got to get these results. And I think, listen, we're all going to direct, coach, help our teams. And I think there's a balance between one, giving that very clear expectation, direction to your team. Mm -hmm. In the same moment though, if if you're not doing it or you think you can't do it, Think about the opportunity, this simplistic, this simple. After you've given that direction, after you've coached the team, what you want to do, you've set the expectation, you've given the orders to move forward with the mission at hand. You know who on your team needs extra help or extra encouragement or extra coaching. Mm -hmm. Pick up the phone after you've had more of a group setting and, Mm -hmm. and have that conversation with that person. Hey, listen, I know you heard a message today in the meeting or on the call or as we were out visiting. Let's spend a little bit of time one-on-one. Let me help you here.
1: Mm. Wow. Yeah. Such a practical way to approach that. And yeah, I think that's something for the leaders to think about today that all you know, when you're, when you're having these team meetings or having the staff meeting, maybe that becomes part of your process where you pick one person out uh, from that and you make a note to yourself to call them later in the day or Maybe if you're not using the phone and you're just texting them and say, Hey, thanks for mentioning it on the call. Uh, if you have more questions, you know, let's chat about it. Or maybe let's get a quick call and get some, get some feedback from them to kind of open the door for you to give them feedback. Or maybe it's coaching related. But yeah, I think so many times we as leaders make the assumption that everyone understands what we're saying and everyone's getting it. And there's no way that's happening (laughs) on a consistent basis. No way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, that was so, so good. So practical there. So, when's the time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your career? Although you've already shared one already. That was pretty, pretty amazing. And how did that one uh, lead to your growth or success on down the road?
0: Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what it did was is each time that I progressed and or and or changed organizations, it was such a prominent reminder to think when I went in, Mm. engage, get to know the teams first, understanding that the results matter, but at the same time, the team matters Mm. as a parallel path. And it just started the engagement and the relationship so much differently than it did in my first opportunity.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that too as as a way of growth because you have worked for many companies along the way, you know, progressing. And it's so easy to come in there probably and say, "Well, I've seen this, I've seen this already happen ten times. I know exactly what you all should be doing here." But starting with the people side, if you come in there. And you start making changes immediately to show you certain results, you might have problems with the team. Right? Maybe they spent their whole career there. And you're coming in and shaking things up. How do you how do you think about that as being the outsider? Uh coming in as a leader, knowing you need to make changes, and there's probably pressure to do that because they're gonna they're like, Hey, Steve, we brought you in. We need to see the results, but balancing that with the uh, people factor.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, what I've done is um, I think it starts before you even walk in and engage with your team. I think that's an initial conversation, expectation, and level-setting conversation that happens um, mm. at a very high level in the organization. Mm-hmm. And when you share with the, the leaders of the organization uh, that you're working with, This is my approach. This is how I'm going to do things. Albeit, I understand results are important, but we also can't alienate everybody. And I'm sure not everybody on the team is somebody that doesn't deliver results. And so we need to make sure that we identify those folks that are going to be a part of the solution. Those are going to be the adopters that are going to help you spread what the Mm -hmm. mission is. Um, And I think that's the way you balance it. That's the way I've been able to balance it. And that's the way I've been able to... um, understand and and be able to, frankly, it helps the mission happen faster. Mm. It seems like a slow roll, but once you get into it and you get folks excited about it um, and they notice that you're adding value, I think then things start to take off.
1: Mm. And what's a success strategy that you think all employees need to be thinking about right now?
0: Perseverance. I think when, uh, you know, when I think about perseverance, I think business life, um, there's always going to pose challenges, obstacles, you're going to have doubters, setbacks, um, discouragement, things that are going to happen. And I think when you think about all teams, um, one strategy comes to mind in the face of all this adversity that you're faced in business every single day, remaining perseverant, um, will get you through it. It it really will. It'll keep you, um, your mindset on what's important. Mm -hmm. Um, it'll make those days when you feel as if though you've taken five steps back. Um, it'll, it'll keep you focused and it'll keep you driving towards the right result that you want.
1: Yeah. Some great advice there to think about perseverance for you and your team. And it is setting the expectation too of you're going to, you know, we're going to face tough times. Uh, I, a lot of the changes that you've probably made, you know, throughout your career inside of businesses aren't always easy, but that we get through this together as a team. And you always hear these things. It's kind of like, uh, you know, what comes to mind for me is sort of like boot camp in the military where, you know, they, they put you through absolute hell. Although I've not been through boot camp. I understand it's, very difficult. My father did it, you know, and, but it, when you come out on the other side of it, uh, you, you know, you're tighter knit, you've uh, really gone through it together and you do, or, or I'll say you're more equipped with the skills of perseverance than you would have been otherwise. And a lot of, I'm curious from your standpoint, now we're sort of on the tail end of this pandemic, hopefully, uh, are you seeing that in the teams that, that you've led as, um, you've been through this pandemic. It, it, it's probably been a big challenge in a lot of cases for teams. Do you feel like the teams are, are tighter knit having come through that?
0: Yeah, I think it's probably, um, 50, 50, Ben, I really do. I think, you know, some people, you know, really I'll define that 50, 50 is, I think there's, um, a population of the folks on the teams that um, became so debilitated through that uh, pandemic. Mm. And, um, you know, they, they've decided to not be persevering. They decided to not keep moving forward. And I think there's a Mm. percentage of the teams that recognized that this is the new norm and this is what's going to continue to face us. And these are the things that we're going to need to do. And I think you've got those folks that really rise rose above mm-hmm. and remained perseverant, and they kept moving. They they didn't become stagnant. They said, "No, listen, yeah. we, we got to get through this."
1: Yeah, we've heard a lot of stories. All that on lead the team throughout the pandemic, and a lot of the times, I mean, the people and team leaders in their teams that saw the uh, the pandemic as an opportunity to grow and develop, and achieve, or uh, sit in a much better position right now. And so, uh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense there. As we wrap this up, Steve, man, we I mean, we t- we touched on a lot of things. We touched on, man, your first sort of crucible experience as a leader. And I thought, man, there were some really cool takeaways on that about not not leading on an island, uh, using your team. You you shared the you shared that really cool whiteboard activity that you did with the team to get feedback real time. Which I have to admit, my heart fluttered a little bit. (laughs) My God, that would be intense. Uh, You know, know, really, really cool way to do that. Then we talked about having an advocate and a coach, and and getting feedback from others. We talked about what to do as a leader when you're going to kickstart coaching your team and calling individuals after your staff meeting uh, to make sure that they're getting it and they have additional support. Talked about perseverance. Wrapping this up today, what is your parting thought for listeners?
0: Remain curious as a leader. Remain focused. Don't be afraid to fail. At the end of the day, it's really just learning. And know that if you stay on pace, the results will follow.
1: All right. All right. Stay on pace, y'all. Steve, thanks for coming on the show today. Appreciate it, Ben. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one bestselling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best selling author, Inc. magazine columnist, and CEO of The Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.